Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 105, Scholarship to Entrepreneurship, African Students Creating Opportunities in China. And this is the final conversation that I'll be having in this series. And you will be hearing from Fama Jalo, a student from the Gambia. And she is currently majoring in aeronautical engineering at NUAA in Nanjing. She is passionate about artificial intelligence, tech, and gender equality. And she hopes to bridge the tech and gender gap in Africa. She competes in different tech competitions with her team to help her gain the necessary experience to make an impact when she finally goes back home. And alongside her co-founder, Beth, she's working on turning all of their ideas into a company which can impact young people throughout the continent. So I'm really excited to have Fama on. Fama will be speaking on behalf of both her and Beth. Beth is from Ethiopia, and we hope to have Beth on the podcast sometime soon. And I hope you enjoy the final conversation. All right, guys. Bye for now. Hello, Fama, and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. How are you today? Hi, Joanne. Thank you very much. I'm doing great. And you? I'm doing very well. I, I could be better, but I'm doing well. And I say that because it is completely gray outside and I'm sitting in front of my window and it's quite depressing. However, it is warm. You know, we were at 18 degrees yesterday, right? Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. pretty much. Yeah, we almost, yeah, it almost felt Caribbean-esque. <laughs> <laughs> but today, today, today it's 11 degrees, but it's just very gray. But no, I'm well. Thank you for asking. And everyone should know that Fama is in Nanjing. Um, and I'm over here in Shanghai, same province, but different city. So Fama, my dear, welcome, welcome to the podcast. You are, are my final guest. I'm so sad. <laughs> my final guest. It's almost over, but it's been wonderful talking to all of you. So tell everybody, where is Fama from? And who is Fama? Who is Fama Jalo? Oh, definitely, definitely sure. It will be my pleasure, Joanne. Um, yes. My name is Fama Jalo. I am from the Gambia, the smiling coast of Africa. 
Um, I'm a second year student in Nanjing University of Aeronautics and Astronautics right now, and I'm majoring in aerospace engineering. Wow, awesome. Okay, so what brought you from the Smiling Coast, the Gambia, to China? Pretty much um, after graduating from high school, and had really amazing results in my final exam, which we normally call WAS, which is um, taken by countries like Ghana, Nigeria, and Gambia. I was offered a CSC full scholarship and pretty much that was it. Yeah. And now I'm here in China. Wow. So we've, we've talked, I mean, everybody should know that Fama is my friend. So we talk, we've talked extensively about this, but Fama, tell us why you decided to come here because what people should know is that you also were offered scholarships in North America, right? I don't know about Europe, but I know you were offered scholarships and opportunities in North America and you decided to come here. Yes, pretty much. Um, I can say, especially China is something that is very different from what I know. And most students, especially students from the Gambia normally um, decide to go to North America or Europe to further their education. I, I pretty much decided to come to China because I want to explore something that is different from what I know. And I think it was something that will help me grow because it was something different. And I think sometimes different is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to, <laughs> I want to, for you, I would like for you to explain a little bit about the first year when you're here. But before we talk about that, for those who don't know about the Gambia, Maybe this is the first time they're learning about the Gambia. What would you like to share with us about your country? Gambia. Gambia yeah. is, let's just say, pretty much when you say Gambia, it's a country that most people, I guess, are not familiar with. I think if you mention a country like Senegal, then they'll be like, ooh, Senegal. So pretty much Gambia is located within Senegal. So we normally see the same culture, food, names and all of that. Gambia is pretty much um, the smallest country in mainland Africa. Yay. It's mm -hmm. pretty small, but mm -hmm. it's very diverse. It's very peaceful and it's a tourist destination. We have beautiful beaches and their people are one of the best people in Africa. I can <laughs> much say that Gambia is pretty much an amazing place. I'm not just saying that because I'm from there, because I have seen that and people from different parts of the world that have been in different countries have pretty much mentioned something like that, that there's something unique, unique about Gambia that is different from other countries in Africa. Yes. Yeah. And you enlightened me so much about the Jollof Empire because um, you always hear about the Jollof Wars. And I mean, I know that... So you have Mali, Senegal, the Gambia, you are all a part of this big empire. But I didn't know all the details that you shared with me about the Jollof Empire and the Jollof. I always know about the Jollof Wars with Nigeria and Ghana. And then you said to me, Joanne, but you know they get it from us. And I thought, what? I didn't know that. So see, this is why we have to have friends from different parts of the world, right? Because Google doesn't answer all the questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But tell me, tell me about the Jollof Empire and, and Jollof? Um, pretty much the Jollof Empire is also known as the Wolof or Wolof Empire. 
Um, it is pretty much um, a West African state that was part of Senegal, Gambia, and pretty much part of um, Mali also. Mm-hmm. So pretty much um, during the time it was ruled by World of Kings and sometimes people mention the Pural, normally called the uh, Fuller. So mm-hmm. most of the time you will hear about Jollof rice, Ghana Jollof, Nigeria Jollof and all of that. But pretty much it's first from the Jollof empire. So I can say Jollof rice is pretty much from the Jollof empire, also known as World of Empire. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, these are the things that we don't know but of course we can always do our own research and read books and and understand the history but that was that was really interesting okay so you left the gambia now you come here to china can you share with us what it's like here first here in china because when you told i mean i i have a lot of friends here who are studying right and they've said to me what it's like when that first year when you have to do that language immersion but you told me that each each student depending on their discipline when they're studying the language for the first year they have to study um, subjects particular to that discipline. So for you, for example, because you're doing aeronautical, aerospace engineering, what have you, you have to take those class, very specific subject classes in Chinese in your first year. I think that is daunting. Yes, and it's very challenging uh, because um, Chinese language is pretty much different from the languages in other parts of the world. So we had to take the basic Chinese courses in the few months that we um, come to China, like Chinese writing, Chinese listening, and um, Chinese comprehension. So within the three months that we are in China, we pretty much have to do those courses. Then within six months, we have to do physics, maths, and science and technology in Chinese. It's pretty challenging. It's put you in a place that is different from what you know but it's pretty amazing to be honest because um i think it just depends on the perspective of the students because um it puts you in a place where you learn to see things in a different way because um i have noticed one thing when i was studying chinese here that it helped me to be more time conscious in one way or the other because i had to do a lot of things in a limited time. So pretty much, yes. Wow. And you have a year to do all of that and take all those tests. And only once you pass, then you can move into your the university, your preferred university, right? And for you, it was Nanjing. Yes. Yes, okay. that is true. Mm. Wow. But a lot of people fail and I guess they have to go back home. Yes, that's yeah, pretty much if. We normally have a final exam called the CSC final exams, which included which includes Chinese listening, Chinese writing, physics, and math. So you pretty much have to pass that exam to move into your next university. And if you don't do too well, or if you don't pass the exam, you pretty much have to go back home. You have to so um, the CSC organization that you're capable of uh, handling your choosing major. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And for those who don't know, what is the CSC exam? Um, CSC exam is pretty much given to CSC scholars after them studying Chinese for a year to pretty much mm. it's a test to see if they will be able to handle the curriculum that is provided to them in their next university. 
Wow. Do you apply to your preferred? So how does it work? Like when you're back home, do you apply for the scholarship or maybe your government gives you the scholarship? And then once you get here and you pass, then you submit another application to your preferred university or do they just put you in a university that's related to what you want to study? I think it differs in different countries because I have okay. heard different stories. Um, when it comes to Gambia, we are normally selected based on our final results in high school. So they will select maybe the top 15 students in Gambia or the top 13 students in Gambia. Um, those students will be offered the scholarship. So once those people are offered the scholarship, the Chinese embassy in that country provide them with all the information and give them the list of schools that are found in China. And from there, they will have to pick one or two universities depending on their major. So that's how it works in the Gambia. Right, and CSC is the Chinese Scholarship Council. And I think there's like some over 200 universities that participate in that. Yes. Um, and it's essentially a Chinese government scholarship. It's a, it's a scholarship from the government. But like you said, every country is different because there's students here from lots of places all over the world and each government is going to have a different relationship different requirements etc different amount of scholarships and all that kind of stuff but i i wanted you to share that but i because i i know for myself as someone who's studying chinese i mean it's difficult because like you said growing up for me and you too you know growing up in a culture where you learn a western language i mean obviously you speak your own your own language but um for me growing up in the caribbean it's all Western languages. So I know English and everybody in the Caribbean would have studied Spanish or French. I also studied Latin, but I didn't study Eastern languages. Um, mm. At least I, I can only speak for myself. I don't know about other um, Caribbean people, but I think um, it's, it's a similar experience for anybody coming out of the Western world, unless you would have studied, say, Eastern languages, Chinese, Japanese, whatever, in high school, secondary school, it, you're more familiar with it. But I think if you're learning it as an adult, it's definitely challenging because it's completely different to anything else that you probably ever ever studied. Yes, it's from, definitely from a language different. perspective. Yeah, from yeah, the yeah, language yeah. perspective, it's pretty much different from other languages around the world. I think that's what makes it a little bit different. But um, with the right perspective, I think pretty much you can pretty much get the language at a certain point in your life. Yeah, for sure. Everything is about dedication and commitment. And I know loads of foreigners that speak Chinese very, very well. Um, I know we talked about the fact that you, we, we know foreigners who have taken HSK and, and have been successful, but they actually can't speak the language well. And then you have those people that speak the language really well and can't pass the HSK. So it's it's one of those things. <laughs> it's one of those things. But no one should be discouraged from learning a new language. But I think... Um, it's it's interesting to 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 find out that there's such an immersion in this language and you you have to learn quick and you have to move fast otherwise you you lose out so that's interesting to know right so you are at this university in nanjing how are you enjoying your time there i think it's pretty pretty good because um i did my language courses in a city called tanjin and mm -hmm. right now i'm here in nanjing so these two cities are very different from each other. They have different cultures, different food. And right now I'm exploring um, Nanjing and Nanjing is pretty much a very amazing city. So I can say right now, I'm having a great time in Nanjing as a student. Yeah, good for you. There are a lot of, uh, lot of there are quite a few universities in Nanjing and obviously it's the culture and the history. So there's a lot to learn 
and it used to be the capital of the country. I think during, yeah. I think it was the Ming, Ming dynasty, I think. So yeah. yes, fun, good. Okay, so now something else that you've started doing once you've come here is exploring on the entrepreneurial space, right? So you and your dear friend, Beth. So let's shout out to Beth. Hi, Beth. Hi, Beth. <laughs> Beth is probably studying for her exams right now. Hi, Beth. Hi, Beth. Have um, gotten yourselves involved in a lot of really interesting activities. And I would like you to share some of these activities with us. And we have to mention that Beth is your co-founder in all of these activities. And you guys are actually very close friends as well. So um, you're going to be speaking, I guess, on behalf of both of you today um, about your projects. Yes? Yes. Okay, so let me let me let me list the three projects so people can just have an idea of what we're going to be talking about. There is the Afrobots project. There is the um, Afrozone project, and then the third one is Unitox. So you've got three projects that you're working on, uh, sort of I guess simultaneously at the moment. And um, yeah, so let's begin. Maybe with Afrobot, tell us a little bit about. Give us the lead up to Afrobot, what that is, what you plan to do with it, and how you and Beth came up with that idea, and so on and so forth. Yes, awesome, awesome. So Afrobot pretty much is um, a high-tech robotics and AI-centered company that focuses on solving African problems by Africans using robotics and AI. So this was a project that me and Beth came up with last year and right now we are pretty much in the process of launching the company within three months and we are working with one of the biggest incubators tech incubators in China called Tostar on mm -hmm. also also known as Tospack which one of them is located in Shanghai and the other one Tospack is located here in Nanjing so okay. I I believe me and Beth met last year. Pretty much it was just accidental. So we pretty much have seen each other in the university so many times. Um, it mm. just happened that one day we attended the same event and I was talking to, I believe, one of Beth's classmates about some things in AI and programming and those kind of stuff. So pretty much Beth had our conversation and came up to me and was like, oh, you're pretty much interested in those things. And she was like, we pretty much have an innovative um, club here. I think you will love it. So just text me and we'll talk about it. So pretty much that's how me and Beth became friends. And within three months, we came up with, we always have about conversations about Africa and how tech and AI can help solve many of the problems in Africa. And we were like, why not do something about it? Why just like just do well in school, escape the cycle and just go somewhere and get a job? Why can we are given the opportunity of being here in China and provided with so many resources? Why can we come up with something that can help us solve problems back home? And that's how Afrobot came about. And Right now we're here and we're about to launch the company within three months. So yes, that's it. Okay. And you mentioned Tuspark. So Tuspark is Chinua 
a university science park, yes? It's the yes. it's a big high-tech company and they have all these business parks and, and so on and so forth. So how did you guys get connected with them? There was a competition, no? Yes, um, we have been in different competitions so far here in Nanjing. I think one of the competitions that we been to was Nanjing Tech Week. And I think one of the other competitions that we went to, we did really well and came like, I believe, third position out of many universities around China. Um, we met one of the representatives of um, Touchback who pretty much gave us their cards to get in touch with them. So pretty much that's how we got in touch with Touchback who were like really interested in our project. Yes, so pretty much that's how we met Toss Pack. We got in contact with Toss Pack. Okay, so you're looking to register this company with them, you said in the next three months or so? Yes. Okay, so yes. why, the ro why the robotic arm? Why do you think that would have the most impact right now on the ground throughout the continent? Because um, right now we deal with many issues when it comes to the industry section, the medical section in Africa. So pretty much when it comes to the robotic arm, it can help solve many problems in those areas, especially when it comes to um, aerospace engineering um, field. Um, many Africans, African airlines buy robotic arms and many of the things from abroad. Um, because mm -hmm. many of those things are not manufactured in the continent and they spend a lot of money trying to mm -hmm. get those things on the ground. And when it mm -hmm. comes to robotic arms, it can perform surgery and different kind of medical um, surgeries um, in the continent. We have an issue of um, many Africans paying a huge sum of money to get treated in the Western world because of lack of certain type of facilities. Right now, um, we believe that the robotic arm especially is the type of robot that can help solve many problems, not only in one sector, but in different sectors around the continent at the same time. Um, right now, we're just currently working on that robotic, but we uh, have a vision of building different types of robots or different types of AI machines that can solve different type of problems in the continent. And the most important part is that um, we start. We chose to start with the robotic arm because it's something that we are very familiar with, uh, familiar with as aerospace engineering majors. Yeah, and and the robotic arm is well known and it's quite popular. I think there was also something in the media last year that a robotic arm was used. I think in South Africa to assist with a surgery. I don't remember all the details, but I know it was like quite a big deal. So. Yeah, people know about it, for starters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I guess it's it's the most functional to begin with. It's it's sort of like it's people know it, they, they understand it, you know how it can be used, and it's practical, like on the ground, in terms of everything, like agriculture, in the medical field. I mean, you it's, it can be used everywhere, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... The robotic arm, you're going to launch that in three months. So then what happens after that? You launch it and then what happens? It, it's, it's an actual, well, register it. I shouldn't say launch, register it. And then are you guys just going to be working with Tusk Park and, and building it into a, a full-on company? What's the next yeah. step? Pretty much um, that's the goal to pretty much launch it into a full into a full-on company. And then pretty much we're going to move that 
company into the African continent um, in countries like Ethiopia, in maybe East Africa, Rwanda, and Tanzania, and in West Africa, in Gambia, Senegal, and Ghana, and Nigeria. Right now, those are the targeted countries at the moment. So pretty much um, Af Afrobot company will pretty much focus on building different types of robots and AI machines that can solve different problems in the African continent. Right now, okay. um, robotic arm is the focus, but we have a goal of launching different kinds of robots that can help solve different problems, depending on the area that we are located in. Of course, of course, of course. Like, like, like I was saying, I think the robotic arm is just like the most practical one to begin with, right? Yes. True. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Tusk Park is then going to support you guys to launch these different uh, technological tools in in the continent in different countries like Beth is from Ethiopia it's, that we should mention that so they will help you to to launch it there or is it the company stays here and you just extend the work over there how is that going what is that going to look like uh, pretty much um Tosta will provide us with everything that we need and the resources that will help us move the company also into the African continent. So they will also, we'll have different com companies like around the world. One of them will be based here in China because I think there are certain things that right now the African continent cannot provide, especially when it comes to raw materials, um, getting raw materials for the robots and some high-tech uh, materials that we might need as a company. So one of the companies will be located here in China and will be on the Tostar, but um, they will also provide us with the financial needs, the resources, and the few things that we will need as a company to move to the African continent. Okay, fantastic. That's exciting. Pretty exciting, yes. Yeah, and do you know if there are <laughs> Uh, uh, other people who are working on such things and trying to launch this, what you guys, similar, something similar to what you guys are trying to do? Yes, pretty much. Um, I have read articles and watched few videos and mm. I have seen that there are one or two people in the continent working on solving different type of problems related to the continent using maybe AI or robotics. But mm -hmm. I have seen that most of them have challenges or face different challenges because of the lack of resources in the continent and lack of financial aid in the continent. So mm -hmm. the project doesn't really, really last long unless mm -hmm. they're supported by the Western world or maybe by China. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess for you, it's really about leveraging the resources you have here. Yes. Right, right. So you mentioned the competition, the competition that you won, it was for the robotic arm? Yes, it was for the robotic arm. Oh, that was exciting. So what yeah, was that like? Exciting. Did you have it to was, pitch? Yeah, we did have to pitch. Um, because of the competition consists of different rounds. It consists of uh, almost a thousand universities around China. So few mm. had to be selected. So almost um, at the end of the day, 30 um projects were actually selected for the final competition here we consist of projects from people from different type of like different part of the world it's we we were actually very excited because we were the youngest people in the competition at that moment and mm. we and we worked on that project less than 
three months and we were able to do well and actually came fourth position in the competition. So it was pretty much exciting. It shows that um, the things we can achieve, more of the things that we can achieve, if we actually spend more time on the projects and do a lot more on it. Yeah, it's validation, isn't it? It's good validation, especially so yeah. so so early on. So you said you were the youngest. Were the others, uh, were they PhD students? Were they just working people? Or who else was participating? I think most of the people that were participating were PhD students and people that were actually working or people who actually had companies that were already on the ground. Um, people that were part of the competition were people that actually already own a company and the company were already on the ground. Pretty much, yes, 90, 95% of the people in the competition. Mm. Great. Okay. So now let's move on to, shall we talk about AfroZone? Yes. 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 Okay. So, <laughs> so tell us about AfroZone. So we're pretty much excited about AfroZone because AfroZone doesn't pretty much include us, but also include, um, let's, let's say, African students around the world, pretty much. Um, AfroZone is pretty much an international innovative incubator. Um, that focuses on providing opportunities to young African university students and first graduates. So, Abrazon is pretty much, just as I said, an incubator for African students. So, pretty much, um, it's obvious that in the African continent, we have an issue of brain drain, whereas the best talents from the continent pretty much are offered opportunities to study outside of the continent and pretty much don't go back. So AfroZone is a space that we want to provide to these students so that they can build businesses that can impact the African continent. So pretty much AfroZone focuses on that. I think this, is some, this was a project that meant a lot to us because we are Africans, first of all, and we are also students in China, uh, we have seen that most African students, especially here, want to just do well and just work in one of the big companies in the Western world. They don't even try to go back home with because I, you cannot blame them because um, they have the idea that there's not a lot of opportunities in the continent, which is very true. And you are not provided with the financial needs or the things that you need to launch or do something. So pretty much AfroZone is focusing on providing those opportunities to African students so they can do more in the continent. Right. So AfroZone is a, an incubator. It's a hub for yes. African university students and for recent graduates. So you mentioned that there's there's the brain drain. Well, you know, there's a lot of, of different problems. But um, why do you believe now is the right time to launch something like AfroZone? I think looking at it in China right now, the largest number of international students in China is Africans. And mm -hmm. by the year 2050, um, the youngest people in the world will be from the African continent. So if this, in, if this is not the right time, then when is the right time? 
And most of the best ideas right now are coming from Africa, but because of lack of opportunities, they're giving opportunities somewhere else. So they launch their products or ideas out there and do so much in maybe in different part of the world. So that is pretty much um, something that we want to change as like an continent and provide them the opportunities within the continent so that they can do a lot with their ideas or with their projects within the continents. Yeah, yeah. And I know that you guys, you want AfroZone to be something that's Pan-African. You don't want it to be like Nigerian or South African or Gambian. You want it to be Pan-African. So you're aiming to have this platform that's, that's spread throughout the continent that's focusing on this very specific group of, of young people who are innovating. That is definitely true. Um, Maya is from Ethiopia and I'm from Gambia. So pretty much the focus is to have Afrozone in different parts of Africa, in Ethiopia, maybe also in Tanzania, in East Africa, in Gambia, Senegal, Nigeria, and Ghana in West Africa. So pretty much we're focusing on Afrozone becoming a pan-African company. Yeah, and I think you've seen the benefits of incubators yourself. I mean, like, and working with, say, Tusk Park, for example. I mean, imagine if there was the equivalent of that in your country or in Ethiopia. There could be a lot yeah. of stu students benefiting from something like that. Yes, that is definitely true, because even we can see it in our university, because we are already about to launch our first um, upper zone here in our university to provide sport, like sorry, space and materials and financial aid to African students here in my university. They have a lot of ideas, but they believe that they don't have everything they need in the continent to bring it to life. So right mm -hmm. now we're trying to put them in the right perspective, like that we can help you actually do this and we can actually help you take it back to the continent and have so much more impact there. Yeah. So you're working with NUAA, your university, yes. to bring that to life. Yeah. So what are you what are you hoping to get there? Like the, the space from the school, maybe some other resources, maybe some financial resources. Is that what your outcome is or you're hoping the yeah. outcome will be? Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're hoping the outcome will be. Yeah. And then I guess when you go into the continent, then it will be developing that, those same relationships, but with other universities in, in the continent. Definitely. Okay. And you're your own, you're your best client because you, you are students, right? So, mm -hmm. so only, you know what you need. Yes, pretty much. Mm -hmm. As students, we also know what other students need because we have faced the same problem as um, a startup because we have seen that few of the things that we needed and what we needed from incubators here in China. So pretty mm. much we have experience with being the candidate in this situation or being yeah. the startup that need help. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and then finally there's Unitox. So tell us what 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 are Unitox? So Unitox, we already had our second event here. So mm -hmm. Unitox is an event that focuses on spreading unique ideas among like university students. So we had our first event here in NUAA, and we also had our second event recently. 
So right mm -hmm. now we are planning to have our third event in one of the universities here in China called Hohai University. So pretty mm -hmm. much um, Unitox aims to give a platform to students from different parts of the world to share unique ideas and give perspective on different things that are happening right now in our surrounding. Okay, so you've had two events in Nanjing, you said, and now you're going to have your third in Hohai University. Yes. Okay, so you've developed, I guess you have, is it like a model and you're sharing it with other students? And so you found some students that you're going to find students at our universities and you're going to have them replicate what you're doing. How are you expanding it? Um, here in right now, we have volunteers from different parts of China and in different universities that work with us. So pretty okay. much they, they already attended um, the events here and are familiar with the contents and the model of Unitalk that we have there. So mm -hmm. they'll be responsible for hosting the event in their own universities because they are okay. volunteers of our like Unitalk event. Okay, so where would you where would you like to see Unitalks? Or okay, let me reframe that question. Where is Unitalks going to be in five in like five years? Say five years. Five years from now, the goal is to have Unitalk on an international platforms in different universities around the world. So mm -hmm. right now, within a year, we're looking forward to having our first Unitalk event in Ethiopia, Rwanda, and Gambia. Pretty much, mm -hmm. so, pretty much. Um, my co-founder Maya will be graduating very soon, so she will be hosting the first Unitalk event in Ethiopia in less than a year. Mm -hmm. And another member of our team, Patience, will be hosting the next Unitalk event in Rwanda. And pretty much, me too. So now we're going back home for holidays, and we'll be launching the first Unitalk event in Gambia. Okay, so. Um, the first, the first event will be happening in Ethiopia, and the second one will be happening in Rwanda and in Gambia. So that's our goal within the next one year to have okay. um, Unitox event in different countries in Africa right now. Right, and these are different members of your team. Maya being Beth, and then patients from Rwanda. They're both graduating, so they will be returning home. And they will be establishing Unitalks in universities back home, yes? Yes. Okay, wonderful. So, you're busy. Very busy. Yeah, you've got three projects that you're working on. You've got studying, you've got life. Wow, okay. <laughs> so... Um, for for the other students, right? Because the main goal of this um, of this particular series, there's many there there were many um, driving forces and intentions behind doing this series. But one of it one of the goals was to highlight that there are a lot of students who are here, but they're not just studying, because there's more to life than just studying. You know, um, it's really about like you said, having the right mindset and being able to see an opportunity and capitalize on that. Because you you said something interesting earlier. You're like, you know, you, like most students just want to come here. They want to get their undergrad and then they see this as a stepping stone. Then they, what they want to do is go in, into the West to get their master's, preferably in the U.S. You know, some might say Canada, some might say 
you know, maybe the UK or something, but the, they want to go to the US, especially the engineering students, you know, they want to go to MIT and Stanford and, you know, naturally, that's where they want to go, right? But um, you guys are saying, well, we're here and we're just going to take advantage of everything that's here and then let's see where it takes us to next. I mean, I know you and I have discussed that, you you know, you eventually want to do your master's in the US, but and that's a goal, but you don't know where these three projects are going to take you. And obviously these three projects are going to help you with with your masters and anything else that you want to do. Yeah, it's true. I think um, I have talked to many students, especially um, students from Africa, and pretty much they will tell you um, there's not much in China or China doesn't have much to offer to students i think the main problem is the perspective they have and mm. at the end of they're looking at maybe their five year ago okay maybe they believe china is the long place for them to be right now so they're just mm. okay i just need to have any grades or a mediocre grade so i can just maybe have any type of grade pretty much and just move on to the next place um so that i can actually get somewhere so most of them don't see things that are around them and don't pretty much capitalize on things that are around them yeah and i mean and i i can understand that you know i don't want anybody to listen to this and think that we're saying to to people that oh you know you shouldn't go to other parts of the world obviously you should go i mean i studied in the us i studied in the uk of course you should go you should go everywhere go over go see everything and do everything but the point is Wherever you are, there are opportunities that exist. And sometimes you can just be in, in that one little set of piece of your mind where you think, well, like you said, there's nothing here for me. And I just want to get my degree and move on to the next thing. But the next thing is going to have problems as well. So the entrepreneurial mindset is a mindset that's always looking for something, you know, that next thing. And it's about creating the opportunity. And I think having spoken to all of you that's what you've been really good at you've been really good at identifying and creating opportunities for yourselves not because you not because you you necessarily believe they're going to be the next big thing or whatever but just because you you believe in something and you think well let's just do it and see what happens you know yeah because um i have this belief that sometimes the long thing can lead you to the thing so you have to actually value the place you are at a particular moment to get to the place that you need to be. And I think something that most of us, especially students, forget about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think something else I've learned from, from doing these interviews is that many of the universities seem to be willing to support your ventures. You know, um, they seem quite open to like when I had the conversation with with Kizzy and he said to me with Kizwalo, he said to me that his university is happy to to support him on all of his projects and everything that he's doing. And I think that's really good. When yes, a university wants. Yeah. Um, even our university is very supportive of what we are doing right now, trying to provide space for African students that are coming to the university to actually work on projects that can actually um, make an impact in the continent. Because at the end of the day, those people will be their graduates. So something for so so for them doing something impactful in the continent is something that they will feel proud of at the end of the day. 
Yeah, and I mean, obviously, every university, it's more than just, you know, turning out graduates with good grades. It's about being able to say, you know, we've given them meaningful opportunities that they can now take and move on. And it makes the university look good as well. It's, it's, it's good for everybody. It's good for the university. Yes, it's pretty amazing. So you want to go, okay, so let's talk about what, if, if, you, if, you, if you believe you're ready to discuss this, I don't know. Let's talk about what you're going to do next. So you're going to, what do you think you're going to do next? Are you going to go get your master's? Are you going, you think you might stay in China? Do you think you're going to go back home? I mean, obviously home is where you want to be because all of your projects are connected to the continent. But um, if you if you could speak into the future, where do you think it's it's going to lead you? Pretty much um, the end goal is to go back home, but I believe that will be after doing my master's. So pretty much I will, let's just say, believe that once these projects or companies are launched, I will love to be running them in my country, especially in Gambia, and especially running them around the globe. So pretty much that's the goal at the end of the day. Yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay, so I know you have to go study and our conversation is coming <laughs> to its end. So Fama, if you had to provide any words of encouragement to students like yourself, young people like yourself who are coming here or, or anywhere else in the world for that matter, um, what would you share with them based on your experience of, of building your own projects? And because it's not easy, you know, it's very difficult. What mm -hmm. words of encouragement would you would you share for them, for those who want to start things, who, who want to do things and who want to get, and I mean impactful projects, like projects that are going to have, you know, major impact in their home countries? I think um, the first thing that I would love to tell them is that don't be scared. I think most of us deal with the fear of the unknown, especially when mm -hmm. you're about to start a project or something. And secondly, um, no place is ever the wrong place. You have to make sure that you have to have the right perspective and you can get anywhere in the world. And the most important part is that just make sure you work hard and be consistent in what you do. Because at the end of the day, as I believe, hard work beats talent any day, any time. So just be committed to what you love and it will take you places that you have never believed you will be in. Yes. Yay. Fantastic. Thank you, Fama. It was wonderful speaking with you. And I'm going to let you return to your studies now because I know you're in the middle of your exams. So you've got more important things to do than talk to me on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very I really, much, Joanne. I really value your time. Thank you for sharing this with us. And I hope that someone listening in has been somewhat motivated or inspired by something that you said. And before we go, last, last thing, are there any readily available websites or social media accounts or anything that you can give to us in case people want to follow or they want to follow up or they want to get more information on, on what you're doing? Email, anything. You can follow us on Instagram on Unitalks at Unitalks. And also you can follow me on Instagram at Famajala. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. So follow up, follow up. So that's pretty much it. So 
Okay, fantastic. All right. Thank you so much, Fama, and to everyone listening in. Bye for now. Bye. Hello again. So we have arrived at the end of this series and we heard from five guests. We had uh, Gael, who's from Cameroon, at Chinua. We had uh, Kizwalo from Tanzania, who's in Ningbo. Uh, we had Zazu in Shanghai uh, at Tonji. We had um, Nude at NUAA in Nanjing. And then lastly, we had uh, Fama from the Gambia. And she's also at NUAA. So um, that's, uh, that's a wide range of students, uh, Cameroon, Tanzania, South Africa, Ethiopia, and the Gambia. So I hope you enjoyed the variety in terms of their pursuits, what they're studying, the conversations we had. Um, I try to provide some depth in these conversations. There's only so, so far we can go in 45 minutes. But more importantly, I hope that you gain some insight and some motivation and um, inspiration is an overused word, but I'm going to say some inspiration. And um, one of the reasons why I decided to do this series is because I believe that there are a lot of stories about the China-Africa relationship. And I just wanted to share a story that was different. Um, Yes, politics is important, but it's not the most important thing. And I just wanted to learn more about what was happening since I have so many friends here that are students. So I hope you now have a different perspective. Um, obviously, you're going to walk away with your own view, and that's exactly what you need to do. And maybe this will um, bring about some more conversations, some new conversations, and I hope that you share it with your friends. Um, those people that know me know that alongside building this platform, I also, I'm also involved with entrepreneurial education. And I really believe that this kind of education is important. Um, I believe that education across the board has to be consistent. It has to be competent. It has to provide thoroughness and accountability. Obviously, we want to provide young people with an education that uplifts and inspires, motivates, prepares, and all of that stuff. Um, I think entrepreneurial education is very important because students need skills that will enable their thinking in preparation for the fifth industrial revolution. One of the things I always say to my students is that there's no way for me to prepare you for jobs that currently don't exist. So what I do with my students in the classroom when I'm teaching them business and entrepreneurial skills, it should definitely be in line with the future and not in line with standardized tests and policies that don't make any sense. Um, so hopefully through this series, um, I was, we, as a group of people having conversations, were able to show, to showcase that it is okay to take risks. It is okay to pursue your entrepreneurial ventures alongside being a student because schooling isn't enough. Um, so young people have to be strong. They have to be self-directed. They have to be independent-minded. They have to be prepared for, for challenges. And I think um, being creative, learning how to be creative, learning how to be competitive, and learning how to take advantage of opportunities that arise in the new economy is beneficial to them. Because we don't want um, 
young people who aren't prepared for their future. We want leaders. We want pathfinders. We want um, them to have skills that are essential for their success. So through this series, um, we all demonstrated that there are students who are not just studying, but creating opportunities wherever they go. They just happen to be in China in this case. Um, and I will end will say, by saying that it's not simply enough to just be employed by a company and, high, and climb up the hierarchy. I think that's, that's one way of living, but it's no longer enough. And I think the way we live now and the future is, is showing, us, showing us that more and more and more and more. So if anything, I hope we, um, again, I hope we demonstrated that in this series. So thank you so much for listening in. I do appreciate all of you. And I look forward to seeing you next week, Wednesday, when we kick off a new series. But you'll have to wait until then to see what we're going to be talking about. Okay, guys, go have conversations, share with your friends, discuss, reflect, and all of those happy things. Bye for now. Hey there, Rare Ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listen across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.